Welcome to The Working Therapist with Hayden Bolick, a podcast designed to help you grow more, do more, and be more as a therapist. The Working Therapist is an extension of the Pediatric Developmental Therapy Network. We're glad you've joined us for today's podcast. So here's your host, Hayden Bolick. Thanks for joining me on this episode of The Working Therapist. I'm here today with Kirsty as usual. Hey, Kirsty. Hey, how are you? Good. I'm doing great. So we're actually going to talk about billing codes today, and we're going to talk about interventions associated with those. But we're also going to clear up what one code is different than another code. And, and the reason we're doing that is because we want to talk about accuracy of billing and coding and you know your daily notes accurate. But before we get into all of that, I've said routinely throughout my whole life, I am the perfect person to tell your password to. You've heard me say this a million times. Yeah. Yeah. Because number one, I'm not going to remember any of them, you know, and then number two, my passwords are are like, literally, I only have a couple of number passwords that I can remember in this life. I actually, I really think it's just like one. And if under, I got one, like one, my house password is the same thing as my phone password. If it's a number, most, and it's associated with most important documents in my life. And if I was like kidnapped and tortured, it really wouldn't take long. And pretty soon, I mean, like with just a little duress, like maybe if the room got too hot or too cold, I mean, that's really all it would take for me. I w- or if I just got too hungry or too sleepy, <laughs> then really, I would give it, a, I would get, say, here, that here's the password. Come out. <laughs> <laughs> like, I am not a very hardy individual. If someone was to like, kidnap and torture me or whatever, then, you know, you're going to get my code. So like, I've got one code fits all. Which is really... I think they say not to do that. Yeah, totally don't. Good. (laughs) (laughs) Totally don't. But I can't remember any of the other ones. So actually, that's what we're talking about in terms of doing the opposite today. Because a lot of times, you know, Kirstie, when we're working with new therapists, new therapists to us doesn't necessarily mean new therapists in the field. Right. And we actually hire people that come from different backgrounds. They have different experiences through graduate school, different fieldwork placements, different college educations. Graduate programs differ and work experience differs. So at PDT, though, we kind of do a reset. Yep, because we want people to understand what the different codes mean. And we also want them to understand what fits under each code. And the reason we want them to do that is because we want people to think about what they're doing and why, and so that their documentation is accurate, but really more important, so that they're really thinking about what they're doing and why they're doing it for the patient so the patient gets better. And it makes them better therapists too. We do. And we talk about this in a lot of our podcasts, and it's a running theme throughout that when you are working in pediatrics, I think pediatric therapists get a bad rap. It's like, oh, they go to work and they play and you've lost all your skill. You don't really know what you're doing. Well, I take a huge offense to that because Uh, I feel like I'm a huge neuro geek. I love neuro. I love that background. And I think when you can really apply it and apply it well in the pediatric population and you make it look like play, I think you've come a long way. I was actually talking to an adult therapist about that. Maybe just like a day or two ago, I was explaining to them about how we have our sensory gym. And so on this gym, you can sit this child on a platform swing kind of thing on the zip line. So in speech therapy, he's pulling himself forward and he's saying five words and then he pushes off and he comes back, that kind of thing. And so she goes at the end of that, she goes, oh my gosh, I'm exhausted. And I said, why? She goes, just everything about that you just said is exhausting to me. She goes, give me an adult with stuff all day long. And I said, well, you've got to be really creative to think about what you're doing and why you're doing it. Have a therapeutic purpose, keeping the child engaged, and it's got to be fun. So all of that has to happen as well as understanding your therapy stuff. So it doesn't work to say, okay, Mr. Jones, we're going to swallow this orange juice with a chin tuck. Now go. 
Because little Johnny's like, they're not going to do it. Little Johnny's like, whatever, <laughs> don't care. And so, like chin tuck, whatever, that doesn't even apply in the pediatric world. But anyway, you got to figure out how to get a chin tuck or safe way to swallow without all that. Anyway, we're talking about motor codes, not feeding codes. I'm on track. Okay. So today, we're going to start with good old tried and true 97110 and what that means and when you use it. And we are going to hold off on the 97530 because really, as a pediatric therapist, we see that probably overused would be fair to say. But to be more accurate and to be more specific and be more diligent about what you're doing and why you're doing it, then you really have to have a good understanding of all the codes. And honestly, in this world we're living in with gatekeeping insurance, and when I say gatekeeping, I mean like we have to have prior auth for everything we do. Every specialty, most every specialty in the United States has to have some type of prior authorization process. I mean, really, I don't know if I can think of an insurance company right now where you don't have to have prior auth. It's very few and far between. I'm sure the billing department could clarify for me, but most everything is a prior auth. And so PT, OT, and speech therapy are considered to be a specialty in pretty much most situations. And as a result, you have to have prior auth. And so you have to understand what you're doing and why you're doing it because you got to justify more authorization so that that patient can continue to get therapy. We don't have the luxury where we may have had it 20 years ago of just like, oh yeah, we'll just bill that out. That doesn't cut it anymore. So you have to understand what you're doing and why you're doing and what these codes mean. And here at Pediatric Developmental Therapy, we don't just go, okay, OT's bill 97530 and PT's bill 97110. And that's just the rules and that's what we do. That is not how we bill here. No, and that, that's really not accurate. And it's just lazy. If we want to be honest, it's just lazy. Well, it's a cop-out. It really is. You're not asking yourself why you're doing what you're doing. Are you really doing what that child needs? Or are you just bulking it under a generic code? Because, yeah, sure, you're probably doing range of motion. You're probably doing strengthening. Eh, it probably falls under there. Eh, good enough. That's what that says to me. If you have everybody doing PTs are all doing this and OTs are all doing this, it says, that's good. Check the box. Good enough. Well, that's not how we operate. We never have operated with good enough. It's like my Aunt Grace told me years and years ago, never settle. And you know how I am curious if somebody says, well, that's just fine. I'm like, fine, fine. Well, if it's fine, scratch the whole thing. Let's start all over again. I've seen people say to Hayden, it's fine. And I start to see like smoke come out of her ears (laughs) and like her head starts to (laughs) spin. It's fine. I'm like, fine. And I'm like, I'm going to go do something else. (laughs) (laughs) It's not not like I freak out and yell or anything, but just like, okay, well, basically, Kirstie knows this whole project's getting ready to get scrapped and everybody's got more stuff (laughs) and everybody's going to have a lot more to do. (laughs) No, no, uh uh. No, when we were designing our new building, the builders said to me, well, it's fine. And, and we started over. <laughs> we started over. <laughs> I called the uh, architect. I'm like, that's it. We got to start over. The whole, he goes, what? Redraw said, everything. Redraw it all. <laughs> I'm starting from scratch. He's like, what? <laughs> and God bless his heart. He did it anyway. But the builder never said fine again. No, he <laughs> did. And I was like, wait, what? Like, oh, no, it's great. It's great. It's great. <laughs> so, so there you go. <laughs> but um, so not fine, right? Not, not fine. fine. <laughs> not, not good. Not, not fine. Okay. And not just check the box, which is the same thing, in my opinion, is fine. Okay. So or, or lazy, but or lazy, but <laughs> <laughs> so we're here today to talk a little bit about nine seven one one zero and what it means and help bring more awareness to that code so that you can more accurately and correctly code your patient and therapy. All right. So first off, nine seven one one zero is actually a timed code. 
So it's for 15 minutes and each 15 minute segments. So if you do 45 minutes of a strengthening activity, you're going to build that code three times. Basically, the definition of 97110 is therapeutic activities that are performed in either active, active assistive, or passive. The exercises are in included things such as strengthening, endurance training, range of motion, and flexibility. Well, it does. And you have to think too, we always go back to why are we doing what we're doing. Let's just group it into some general categories. We have, so 97110 is strengthening. Yes. It is flexibility or range of motion. That mm -hmm. can be active range of motion, passive range of motion. We well, have active assisted. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, mobility and then endurance. Mm -hmm. So you have to ask yourself, okay, I put a child on a treadmill. Why did I put the child on the treadmill? Am I working on gait training? 97116. Let's just right. park that for a minute. Or am I working on this activity for to build endurance? So if you're doing it for endurance purposes and I'm not facilitating or doing anything with trying to change or alter gait or work on any concepts of gait training, then I'm doing a 97110. If you're working on the treadmill for endurance, now I'm curious, and you're building endurance. So give me an example of how that would, in the real world, function. If I wrote a goal and I want a child to be able to participate in the one mile run at school. Oh, yes. Okay. Or, which actually we've talked about this. I've worked with some therapists through this because, mm -hmm. you know, as kids get older and again, the gatekeeper of insurance and we're looking at functionally, how is this a goal? Well, we want this child to be able to participate in school and be able to participate in the one mile fun run. Well, they can't run a mile. Right. Can they walk a mile? No, they don't have the endurance. They can't keep up with their peers. So we have to start somewhere. So if I wrote a goal that they can tolerate walking on the treadmill for a five-minute period without rest break or with rest break, and then how much do they need, I'm working on an endurance goal there. You know, it's interesting that you're saying that because when you're listening to other podcasts, you'll talk about my daughter who's visually impaired. And I was talking to actually the local coordinator of our vision resource center here where we live. And so she was saying that this is a common problem that a lot of the kids in the group, you know, if you think about a child who's blind or severely visually impaired, they don't go run around the playground. And so she was talking about in her things that some of that group was doing that summer, it was beginning of the summer, end of the school year, beginning of summer, but a lot of like just cardio stuff just to keep the kids moving their body because they're so stationary and they don't really move around a lot. And I was like, you know what? You're well, right. Well, if you can't see where you're going, why are you going to move? So you're not going to run the mile. Right. And also parents, you know, as a parent of a child who's visually impaired, that took a little bit of trust and faith in the situation for me as well, because even though my daughter's low vision, she can't see those orange cones if they're more than 10 feet away. And so I was like, my gosh, did you just set a loose run on a one mile? She only knows where she'll be. You know? <laughs> she won't be on the course. So it's kind of scary. But so if you're working to build endurance... For a child, that was an example of a kiddo. Right. Or any kid yeah, that had issues with that. But you're right. We're, and you know, you got to, with the principal's fitness test or whatever they do in schools nowadays for the fitness award, you got to be able to run a certain amount. It's amazing how many kids can't. So you got to think about why you're doing what you're doing. So All if it's day your long, building every day, every child you see. Name of the game. Yep. But let's think about it. For PT, I think it's pretty easy because it's kind of what you do, you know? Yeah. But um, what about like for OT? Now, and this also being said, a speech therapist doesn't build this code. It's not in our scope of practice. Okay. Yeah. So OTs, some of the goals that I have seen written, and they're great goals, but for desk work, be able to maintain endurance. Postural muscles are endurance type muscles. So if you lack the posture to be able to sit at the desk and do sustained desk work, well, that's what you need to do in school all day long. So you could be working on endurance of postural muscles. You could be working on your stability muscles, endurance to be able to 
write and hold that pen and copy for the length of a class. Those are all endurance type goals that might go in that direction as opposed to a therapeutic activity. Again, why are you doing it? I'll never forget this little girl I used to work with for speech, and she could not sit up. I'm not, I, I've never, it's the most severe situation. She's a teeny tiny thing, uh, skinny as a rail, but she I pr- could not maintain a sitting posture for more than 10 minutes. I would work on speech sounds, and within 10 minutes, boom, her head, she is laying on the desk. I'm like, well, honey, sit up. And she'd sit up for a couple of minutes, and then boom, right back on the desk. She could not maintain an erect sitting. And she was in regular ed classroom. She was very floppy when she walked. You know, when she came and sat down, she'd flop over on the chair. She never sat upright. And we got her involved with OT and PT. But good, because I have so many questions. I know. But she was. <laughs> but well, this kid was in the second grade. Second grade, and I was shocked by that. But that's an example. Yep. She was the most severe I've seen that way. And they got that old without any intervention prior to that for motor intervention. She'd been getting speech therapy for three years prior to us starting. That's a little scary too. But it wasn't us. But still, it freaked me out. Anyway, okay, moving on. So that's a good example of endurance. Okay, what about range of motion? Yeah, um, I think as a PT, we have to stretch kids all the time. A lot of times I'm seeing hamstrings and heel cords are of primary focus, but we do Mm -hmm. other areas too. You know, if we have a child with hemiplegia, we can't ignore that they have an arm. (laughs) I know that OT (laughs) is typically going to be... (laughs) That makes me laugh. (laughs) PT should probably not ignore parts of the body, right? No. No. (laughs) Well, if you think about it from... We typically are like, okay, well, OT, you're going to work on upper extremities, and the goals are primarily going to be targeted for that. And then PTs, we're going to work primarily on the lower extremity. Except where I get confused is I'm like, well, to walk, you need arm swing. So I need an arm to be able to do that. And for ball play, which PTs are more going to be the ones to work on, and that reciprocal throwing and kicking and all of that, I'm like, you have to use your arms. So I can't ignore the fact that we have an arm that we need to range. And so if I'm working on range of motion of one or more body parts, I would do that. We do active range of motion where the child moves the arm. We do passive range of motion where we take the limb through the motion. And we do active assistive where we're f- helping facilitate that. Or they're like holding onto their arm and lifting both arms up overhead. That would be an example of an active assistive. An active range of motion. So because whatever I think range of motion, I always think, okay, child laying on their back and PT stretching their leg up in the air like a hamstring stretch. That like, is not active. That is not active. That's, that's passive. passive. So for an active range of motion, if you're having the child reach up, say you're working on range of motion in the shoulder, having the child reach up shelf and make pull something light down. Is that an active range of motion exercise or is that more of a therapeutic activity? That's active range of motion, but that's therapeutic activity because you're so doing you would, something functional. Okay. So then give me an example of an active range of motion. I do all the time with babies with torticollis. If I have them track and look towards their shoulder and I'm looking for a rotation, I've probably done some passive range of motion prior to or some suboccipital release, other codes being used here, but okay. not We're active talking range about of motion. Yep. But if I'm having them track and look over their right shoulder, that's active range of motion. That's right. And not a therapeutic activity. I would code it as active range of motion. Can you think of an active range of motion with an older kid that's not a therapeutic activity? That's not a therapeutic activity? Mm-hmm. Um to, hey, this podcast can turn into Let's Stump Kirstie. Go yeah, ahead. something that I would give Grace Gardner to do while she's brushing her teeth and stretch those heel cords at mm. the sink. That would, that would be an act. Yeah, that would be. She, I should well, probably she's doing know a that. sustained stretch, but stretching. Yeah. That would be an active range of motion. <laughs> she just called me on the whole program. All right, hold on. <laughs> no, but that would be. You're right. Yeah, so when they're actively stretching. They're actively doing 
Okay, that makes sense. Okay, good. All right, or what just about moving a limb through the motion? Right. No, that makes sense. Yeah. So then I've got questions, but when we get to nine seven one one two, but that's not today. That's not right now. Not in this podcast. Okay. So flexibility, also range of motion and flexibility, but those they kind are, of go hand I was in hand. Say. Yeah. So if you're doing the range of motion, it's because you want them to be more flexible, so they can do other things, right? Yeah, makes sense. Like I use that example of the baby with torticollis. In conjunction with a 97110, I might be additionally doing other codes like the suboccipital release or manual traction that falls under a manual therapy code. Again, those are things that you can do in pediatrics. It's not a therapeutic activity, so you just want to be mindful. But I know we're talking about 97110. So all those things you just talked about are... Oh, goodness. Okay. So we've talked about endurance training, range of motion, and flexibility, yep. right? They all do kind of go together. But and strengthening yes. is, you kind of use that example if reaching overhead. We kind of said that was a therapeutic activity. You poo-pooed that one. Yeah. Because um, be it's functional. Mm-hmm. But if I was working on straight leg raises or bridging activities to work on glute strengthening, or if I'm having them stand on a step and, and lower down, I'm working on eccentric control where I'm having them tap their heel on the floor because during gait training... When mm-hmm. I used another area <laughs> mm-hmm. during therapy, I noticed that they were doing this, that, or the other thing. And I was like, oh, well, eccentric lowering is something we need to address. So let me switch over and do a therapeutic exercise to address that. And that's what I'm going to give them for homework. So you can see how your codes start to divvy out among different areas depending on so if your example, like if we go to that little girl who was slumping over and like endurance, she had to be able to sit up and that kind of stuff, but there's obviously some strengthening issues she's got yeah. going on. So just remember in the context of this code, if you're doing endurance and strengthening, because I can see how, you know, you got to strengthen for them to be able to do yeah. more and then do more and strengthen. So if I put her prone over a ball and said, hey, I'm going to work on extension and I'm going to have her do this puzzle and I'm going to have her reach down over the ball, grab a puzzle piece, and then I'm going to have her extend up mm-hmm. and put the puzzle piece together on the table and then get down and get another piece and I'm doing repetitions, I'm actually doing lumbar strengthening in the 97110 code. And endurance. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. 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 I'm and now you. it could be a therapeutic activity, but if I'm working on lumbar strengthening and that's specific for this because I need endurance and postural endurance and strengthening the muscle, then that's probably the most appropriate place to code that. Yeah. And just what you're doing and why you're doing it. So you're thinking about what am I doing and why am I doing this? And so really in that situation, if you're, I can see why you would want to do the strength and endurance because you also want your daily note to match what you're really focusing on. And I understand that a 97530 does pay more than a 97110, but that doesn't rule how you bill. No, it, it should shouldn't. Not, as, and it should not ever. As a clinician, it should not. No. But you should be coding what you're doing. You should be coding <laughs> what you're doing. So in that situation, you're coding that. And I think because then it's going to drive your documentation. And then eventually I could see as she got stronger and her nurse got better, then you would start to move to the therapeutic activity because that's the natural progression well, of Well, and a therapeutic activity, if you really think about that example of laying prone over a ball and extending up with doing a puzzle, like, do you and I go do a puzzle and lay over a ball? And like, no, that's not no. a therapeutic activity or that's not an activity we would just go do. No, no. It's, so no. it doesn't make sense. It doesn't. No, you're doing it because you want to strengthen and it'll help her with her endurance. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. So basically, Kirsty, in my opinion, this 97110 is one of the most straightforward codes, I think. Do you find that the case or no? Because I don't build this code. I just talk about it. No, you disagree. Um, <laughs> you can disagree with me. Yeah. No, I, well, I'm, I've been coding correctly since 
the beginning of time. So I'm like, (laughs) I've not struggled with it as much as I see people struggle with it today. But I do think, yes, it's pretty cut and dry. Strengthening, range of motion, flexibility. I mean, there's not a whole lot of gray in there. No. Like, is it strengthening? No, then don't put it there. (laughs) But the gray area could be, in the example, we're at the end of the 97530 versus the strengthening and the endurance, Mm -hmm. you know? So I think it it really does go back. You have to think about what you're doing and why you're doing. And you can't let reimbursement drive your coding either, but you do have to think about what you're doing and why you're doing it. When you read this code, to me, it's the most black and white. It's the most, it tends to be the clearest one because you can think, okay, like, are we stretching? Are we strengthening? Is this endurance or is this whatever? But again, I don't code this code because it's not what I do as a therapist. I just talk about it with a whole bunch of people. All the time. (laughs) Thank you, Kirstie, for helping to clarify this because you do code this all the time. I do. It's what you do. You do it for yourself, but then you also help a lot of people as they get clear with this too. So I appreciate your insight and all of your knowledge with all of this. It's really, really helpful. And thank you. And I hope this helped other people clarify this code. I do think is that every therapist, every clinician needs to go back to their basic codes once a year at least go through, okay, what does this mean? What does this mean? Because, you know, coding rules change all the time. How you code, all these rules change all the time. CMS.gov is a great resource for coding and CPT rules and everything. CMS.gov is really where you start for all of this. That's a great website as a resource. But also check out some of our other podcasts. You know, Kirsty, you and I did one on... AMA versus Medicaid billing is mm-hmm. a really good one. And we also, a lot of our podcasts have to do with what you're doing and why you're doing it. Like we have several evaluation podcast, tons of them that deal with therapy, heavens to mercy. So check those out on The Working Therapist. You can check them out from our website, from pediatricdt.com. Links you over to The Working Therapist or just go to The Working Therapist podcast. All one word, The Working Therapist. Check that out there and then you can see all the various podcasts. But pretty much the themes with all of those is think about what you're doing and why you're doing it because as therapists, that's what we should be doing all the time. All the time, every day. Yep. Thanks everybody for listening and we'll catch you next time on another episode of The Working Therapist. Thanks for joining us for today's edition of The Working Therapist, an extension of the Pediatric Developmental Therapy Network. If you would like more information regarding this podcast or would like to get in touch with us for any reason, visit us on the web at www.pediatricdt.com. That's pediatricdt.com. 